friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right, welcome, welcome. We have have an exciting show today. We have Esther Smith, who is a counselor. She also has her own blog, Life in Slow Motion, as well as an author. And well, first of all, just welcome, Esther. How are you today? I am good. Thank you for having me. You know, this is just a crazy time in in our world right now. Uh, Many of us live at a pace that is impossible to keep. And yet, COVID, COVID came along, you know, here we are, we're dealing with this huge pandemic and it slowed us down a bit, but yet did it. On one hand, you hear people going, oh, it was just so nice because I didn't have to go out every night. I didn't have an event that I had to attend. I didn't have to go to this church thing and then this work thing. And yet on the other hand, we get up out of bed and instead of taking that time to maybe, you know, get our kids off to school, go to Starbucks, grab a coffee, drive to work, kind of get into the you know frame of mind and have some white space. We're opening up our computer at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning and we're conference calls, Zoom calls, whatever, hour after hour, like there's not even a five minute break in between and we're going till seven o'clock at night, often because um, the employer wants to know you're, you're engaged and you're busy. So they're, you know, your calendar has to show, I'm doing this and this and this and this. But before COVID, mental health problems were like in the high teens, 15 to 16%. And now after COVID, according to Henry Cloud, whom I I love, uh, 40% of individuals are dealing with mental health, anxiety, stress, panic attack, you know, major mental issues. So we want to dive into that. And I would love to hear your story and your latest book that you have coming out that you co-authored. So I I didn't even say like, what did you have for coffee this morning? Right? So first of <laughs> we're all, just diving in. <laughs> what, what did you have for, for a beverage this morning? <laughs> for a beverage this morning? That's a very interesting question because I normally drink coffee, but I am not able to drink coffee right now because it's been causing me some just, I don't, some weird like nausea when I drink coffee. So um, as I'll be talking about, our book is about self-care and one of my self-care things has unfortunately been to stop drinking coffee. So I just have water this morning, very boring. Wow, okay, so <laughs> I I tried that. And one thing about my temperament, I processed everything out loud. I'm an extrovert. So when I stop something like that, I tell everyone which Mm. is horrible because then they hold you accountable, but you just, you're thinking about it so much that it's like, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop drinking coffee and I cut out, you know, sodas, which really wasn't a big deal for me to cut out sodas, but coffee was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I lasted about two weeks. And then I justified that it really isn't that bad for you. And so here I am drinking coffee. My problem is I put more dairy, mine's more like a milkshake rather than, the the caffeine aspect of it mm-hmm. and so now I've told way too many people and they say oh you're back to drinking coffee <laughs> I tell you why did I open my mouth so how are you feeling now that you don't drink caffeine how am I feeling um you know 
it's very interesting that I'm realizing how much I love coffee. <laughs> I knew that, but it yeah. actually has been, to be very honest, it has been difficult to give up. Um, you know, it seems like this small thing in some sense, but I realize how much I go through it throughout the day. I actually write about that in the book about how I rely on coffee a little too much. And it was like, my body was just like, you know what? It's, it's too much. Like I actually get very sick when I, when I try to drink it now. So it's not even an option to go wow. back to it. And, um, it's just been a, in some ways, a good exercise <laughs> to have the self-control, to not go to it every morning. Um, and to, you know, just say that, you know, for now, I just, I can't drink that. And that's just the way it kind of is. And that's what I have to do for my, my well-being right now. Yeah. So talk about your well-being. Like what, you're a counselor, you, um, you all of a sudden, I'm assuming that you had some illness there. Something mm -hmm. motivated you to write it all down on, on paper. And one thing Girlfriend is all about is truly finding our purpose, like looking at where are we being called? Where do we see God moving? And then going down that path or where is he just laying it on our heart that there's this huge gap, there's this huge void or a pain point that we can um, close that gap. So mm -hmm. tell us about what, what happened. How did you discover your purpose, your it, your divine design? Okay. So yeah, you are correct in saying that I have dealt with some chronic illnesses. So that really is a huge part of my story. Um, I am a counselor. I work as a um, Christian counselor um, with people who experience chronic illness like I do, and also people who have anxiety and who have um, just are working through trauma. And a lot of my work as a counselor and my writing about self-care, um, which is what my most recent co-author book is about, um, comes out of that experience that I have personally had living with chronic illnesses. So I have um, had physical health symptoms for a really, really long time and was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition um, as well as hypermobility syndrome a couple years ago. So um, I'm actually doing fairly well physically right now, but in the past, I have dealt with some just really severe symptoms, some really mostly in the form of just chronic pain. And mm -hmm. so I was dealing with that pain and these illnesses while I was in the process of becoming a counselor. So as I was going through school, as I was doing my internship and, you know, growing at um, growing into a counselor. And one of the things that just was a necessity for me, you know, they talk a lot about self-care um, as you go through counseling programs. And I think a lot of people maybe ignore that advice or don't realize how important it, it is. Um, but for me, that advice was not optional. You know, I had to, um, you know, figure out how to do my work as a counselor while dealing with these symptoms. And a lot of that came down to, wow, I really have to set really good boundaries. I have to end work at four or whatever time. And I cannot go past that. There might be more leeway for someone else. But for me, if I don't, I'm going to have really severe consequences. So I think at the time I wasn't even thinking about it in terms of self-care. It was more of like, these are the things I have to do to get through the day. But as I look back, I see how much 
I have, you know, I learned about self-care in that season just because of how necessary it was for my life. And I think that, you know, looking back, I also see how, you know, just your question of purpose and how I found my purpose. Looking back, I see just how God really formed me into a, you know, a counselor and somebody who really cares for people and somebody who really wants to serve and help people because of what I was, I was going through. Um, so it was definitely that experience of illness has been a really transformational, um, difficult, uh, but transformational, you know, aspect of my life. Well, I'm, I'm going to get personal here because everything that I, um, what I'm training, and there's a lot of corporations right now asking for, you know, mindfulness, self-care. It's just interesting because in the last few decades that I have been working in the corporate world, for the first time ever, there's such a need on this self-care and, you know, mindfulness and EQ and how do I take care of myself before I can take, you know, lead others. And what do you think is is going on? Because for, from what I know, it's when you have so much stress in your life that that then your body holds on to it and, and it turns into, you know, some type of, of issue or pain or, you know, they say that the majority of heart attacks happen late Sunday night or early, early, like three or four in the morning on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Because people just dread going to work and we we somehow, you know, put it into the physiological aspect. Not it's not all just the emotional. So my personal question to you is did you have trauma? Did you have something that happened where you feel like you were taking on this kind of pain to mm-hmm. have this autoimmunity problem? Or do you feel mm-hmm. like nope, it just was my DNA? Well, yeah, I, and I think that that is a com- there's a complicated answer to that question, where I would say that I do believe that um, my autoimmune condition was triggered by stress. I was going through a very stressful um, situation at that time with my husband being deployed. However, I had had symptoms, you know, of that autoimmune condition since childhood, so. I feel that stress kind of triggered it to come more to the forefront. Um, And then some of my chronic pain issues were actually triggered by, well, my main chronic pain issue with my back was triggered by a chiropractic adjustment um, Mm. by somebody who injured me as she was adjusting me. So yeah, and I definitely, I definitely, you know, understand the question because I do think that stress does play a role for for people like me with chronic illnesses and for people in general who may be dealing with just, you know, physical symptoms, you know, as they go through their very busy lives and physical stuff will come up. And oftentimes, like my personal opinion is that it is a combination of, you know, stress and also often like there will be like a structural issue or some sort of disease process as well. And it's kind of that in combination um, is what I see in myself and also the most in people that I work with who have chronic illnesses is that combination. But yeah, I think it's a really important conversation um, to have about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I just went to a, a leadership 
conference. It's the Global Leadership Summit last week. And Henry Cloud, are you familiar with Henry Cloud? Somewhat, somewhat, yes. Somewhat. He spoke and uh, he talked a little bit about that with what we're what we're facing, you know, after the pandemic. And you made a comment about denial. And he said, you know, we we bury our head in the sand often to, to what is going on. And that's why we we can't do the self-care. Uh, why? What does that even mean? Um, and, and, and I say that because I know I have some some pain issues right now and I'm a little bit obsessive with working out. I used to do sprint triathlons and now I I don't anymore because of a little bit of that pain. But there's a purpose for pain, right? Mm. <laughs> and so why do you think that is as you're going along and, and you're speaking to people and counseling them? How come it's so easy to tell somebody else what to do, but we deny where we need to go and what we need to do for self-care? Yeah. I think there's probably a couple different answers to that question. One that comes to mind is I think that we underestimate how bad the consequences are going to be if we push through. Mm. And that's something I see a lot is that, you know, somebody will be starting to experience the first signs of burnouts and maybe they'll see that that's there and a lot of times it does come up in you know physical symptoms for people um, our bodies will let us know before we're kind of like cognitively aware that that's going on and i think that a lot of times people will see those first symptoms and they'll think you know what i've been able to push through every single other time before you know, I think that this will be fine. And then, you know, by the time they're starting to see that, oh my goodness, like the consequences are bad, this could be worse than I thought. Um, it's not that it's too late. It's just that it's easier to kind of, you know, prevent the problem than to reverse the problem. Um, so I think that that's one, one reason I see for that, that happening. And, and what, what can we do with that? Like I recently shared with somebody, I gave them feedback when it was unsolicited and it didn't, it didn't go well. Um, so I, I don't even know what kind of question I'm asking. I'm, uh, what, what comes to mind is, uh, I I'm big in the airline industry and there used to be, you know, more airplane crashes. And now, it, you know, after, uh, you know, 2020, there there are less and there's less deaths um i can't i don't know the statistics but it's like you know one fatality for every 120 million flights so you can imagine like the the, the odds of you ever getting you know hurt in the airplane uh, you know in the sky is is very very rare and that is because they all the airlines came together faa everybody came together and said we will give each other feedback, like anything, maintenance, anything we see, you know, if you see something, say something, and no longer is it going to be like, oh, shoot, I broke this, or a mechanic to go, oh, no, I, I might not have looked at that the right way. It's like everybody's calling the shots and giving feedback. And you think of that and you go, okay, we don't give each other feedback, even for the people that we love, unless it's like this major intervention or, or something, but mm. yet, we're seeing this, especially in ministry, we're seeing this burnout. Mm. 
And a lot of it has to do with we've never done ministry with COVID. You know, how do we create community? And you talk about that in your book, how important community is. Um, and as you see, my, my question is all over the place because I'm mm -hmm. asking for an answer that probably doesn't exist. But how can we create a culture where we can we can do that, where we can have, like you said, the, the boundaries and yet pour into each other? Um, what does that look like to you, that utopia? Yeah, the, fir the first thing that's coming to mind for me is, you know, just that concept of accepting feedback and how difficult that is for all of us and how we we do need people's feedback as we're kind of figuring out our own self-care. And, you know, if we have blind spots in terms of things we're doing that are leading to burnout. And so I think I just think for myself, for me, it comes down to just having humility to recognize that there's things in my life that I am unaware of. And so the first thing that's coming to mind for me as I think about this actually goes back to, you know, when I was writing, writing the book. So this is a co-authored book. I wrote it with um, my friend Eliza Huey, who is also a counselor. Um, I don't think I mentioned that the book is called The Whole Life. So we wrote The Whole Life together. And the reason I bring that up is because that was truly an exercise in feedback where, you know, I would write a section of the book and I would think, you know what, this is great. I love what I've written. And then I would show it to my co-author and, you know, we would give each other feedback and she would show me all these things that I had missed. And for me, it was such a lesson in how much I need feedback and how much there are things in my life that I'm not gonna see until people point it out. And I think that that's a very difficult lesson to learn. It's not that that, that was necessarily a new lesson for me, but it was very much um, strengthened for me how much I need that. And I think that is a lesson that is very difficult to learn without having an experience like that, where you start to realize, oh, like, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. and there's this consequence because I didn't see it. So sometimes I think, you know, people, um, people have to learn through learning for themselves of there are these consequences, but mm -hmm. then I hope that in the future, um, we start to see, oh, wow, I really need someone speaking into my life and speaking into the fact that, um, how many hours is it good for me to work? And, you know, asking, I was just speaking, talking to a counselor the other day who said that, you know, anytime he takes on a new client, at a reduced rate, he goes through a committee. He has to ask, you know, somebody else at his church and his wife and this other person before he does that, almost just as this, um, you know, way to keep himself accountable. And I think that's a really great example. That's a great example. I know I struggle with that. I, I coach. And often if you, if you truly are compassionate and love people, um, you end up spending way more time <laughs> then, you know, you, you, they come in for an hour, but then you end up emailing and texting and how are you doing and what's going on? And, and you, you just can't help it because it's, especially if you, if you're into relationships, you just, it's, it's hard. Um, and I have the impulse of a five-year-old. So, um, I, <laughs> I really appreciate what you said with a co-author, um, I'm one of those that I go to bed at night and you have like your brain just goes crazy and you think of fabulous thoughts. Like you can write a whole book in your brain or in the shower 
Um, and then you get out and you tell somebody about it or you start writing it down and, and you, you go, what happened? Like, how come this was so cool? And I was, you know, writing it down and then you share it with somebody and they go, huh? Yeah, that sounds good. Right. <laughs> so having that, you know, getting that culture of feedback and being able to share it with somebody, which once again, because we're not organically working in office, you know, space and we're doing it at home, that that lonely and that isolating um, atmosphere, isolated atmosphere or isolating. Anyway, you feel isolated and you, it's not as easy to get that feedback. So we're doing a lot on our own and having to um, really try to figure it out by, by ourselves. Right? I mean, it's so much easier easier when you have somebody to bounce those ideas off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I want to ask you about your co-author. How did you guys come about? Because I I love relationships. I love friendships. And you're on a whole different level, I think, when you're birthing something. When you're birthing a book, you just so appreciate what each other brings to the table. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah. And that is a great, a great metaphor because well, I am not a parent, but my co-author is. And she, she would say as we were writing it, wow, writing a book together is so much like co-parenting <laughs> because you both care about it so very much. Um, and you both have, you know, different ideas that you're bringing to the table that you have to, you know, try to draw the best from each person. And um, it really was a very great experience writing the book with her. Um, we used to work together. Um, so we were working at the same counseling center a couple years ago, and she originally came up with the idea. So it was her kind of idea to write this book about biblical self-care. And she approached me to see if I would be interested in writing it with her, partly because um, we're very different and partly because we have different struggles and different approaches to life, different personalities. And she, you know, when she talks about it, she'll talk about how she wanted to be able to bring in these different perspectives. Um, so um, I have that experience with chronic illness and she has her own story. And together we just kind of came and created something that I think, you know, I definitely could not have um, written it on my own the way that it is. And, you know, she will say that there's things that I brought to the table um, that wouldn't have been there if she had written it on her own. So um, it was very neat writing it together. It was, um, I, I would say that writing a book with somebody else, you definitely want to pick the right person because it is a very difficult process in a lot of ways. Um, and I would say she was definitely the right person to write it with and just so glad I had that experience with her. Yeah, you always think, oh, you know, we we so enjoy each other. Let's just start a business together or let's write a book together. And um, it's it's pretty insane what you have to do to make sure that it's a good fit. Uh, I think at times it's it's harder than a marriage because uh, there's so much more that goes in. You're not not that you're competing, but it it's easy to go, man, I've just spent 30 hours, you know, pouring into this. And where have you been? Um, <laughs> you have to really see it as a calling, a ministry that it doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not keeping score here. I'm not being competitive. Let's just love 
you know, moving forward and both just pouring into this. But definitely it's rare, you know, for those partnerships to work out. So that's that's really cool that you guys were able to to write this book together. Uh, on another personal note, what happened with your with your husband? You said when he went off, there was a lot of stress there. Is he yeah. Back? He is. And yes, and that was actually a very long time ago. That was, um, how long was that? 11 years ago. Okay. That was 11 years ago. So, um, I didn't have, I had symptoms back then, but I wasn't actually diagnosed until a couple of years ago. So, but yes, he is back and he is fine. So, yeah. So happily ever after. Okay. We have three minutes here, Esther, before our show is over. And first of all, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. It's an honor to have you on the show and being able to give us a little insight into your book. Uh, But also what, first of all, you, you've dealt with a chronic illness. So for, for people out there that are dealing with that, what kind of pain were you having to deal with? And how did you finally, because what I've heard from chronic illness, a lot of times they can't, they can't pinpoint it. And then how have you been, how can you encourage, um, I know that's what your, your book is all about, but how can you encourage others that are living in this place of chronic illness? Yeah. Yeah. And that is a lot of the, the work that I, I do personally, you know, this book is specifically about self care, but a lot of the other work that I do is more specifically about chronic illness. And it's just, it's just very difficult, you know, to live with constant physical symptoms. For me, you know, you were asking about the type of pain. It's, you know, mostly in my, my low back and just limits me a lot. And there's so much I could say in terms of encouragement, but I think where I would start is to just ask yourself um, if you've gone through the grieving process that comes with that. And at first glance, that might not sound like encouragement, but I think that's where we have to start is we have to start with grief and recognizing the things that we have lost because I think it can be easy to gloss over that. But I just want to, you know, if there's people listening with chronic illness, I just want to validate how difficult it is and how big of a deal it is, the things that you have lost and to just encourage you to see it that way as a loss and to consider what it might look like to grieve that. And that's where I would start. Mm, um, interesting. I, I don't know if I've, I've ever thought of it that way, that you have to first start with, with the, the grief. Um, I just want to also uh, mention when, when does your book, when is it released? So it actually was already released last month. And so it is available. Amazon, New Growth Press, number of different places and you can find her book as well as go to her blog life in slow motion and with that we want to thank you guys again for taking the time out of your day and listening to girlfriend it please go out and subscribe on girlfriend it uh google podcast or itunes Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.